Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in World of Warcraft. And sometime sometime we will get around to those other games, because there was actually some really interesting Overwatch lore and stuff that was released. But anyway, I'm Anne Stickney, one of two lore focus writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, we've got the other author of Know Your Lore. That's Matt Rossi. Say hi, Rossi. Hey, everybody. And then second, we've got our co-host, who is also as equally knowledgeable about lore, and that would be Joe Perez. Hello, everybody. Hello. Okay, so um, sorry that there was a lack of lore watch last week. Um, I was kind of in California and unable to do any kind of recording or anything like that. Um, However, we're back now. Not only are we back, but we have so much stuff from BlizzCon to talk about. (laughs) Like, there was just kind of a glut of uh, a lore released at BlizzCon, and then later on, um, all throughout the week, actually, we got class, in, we got introduction to um, class stuff and class fantasy stuff, and in between all of that, we got artifact weapons. Artifact weapons were released, and each artifact weapon that each class gets has a little bit of lore behind it, and some of that lore is surprisingly new surprisingly different or touches on elements that we hadn't really considered before so rossi why don't you start us off well i mean i'm there's three three things i'm freaking out about the most okay uh one is the the uh, the introduction of actual like kingdom of strom arathor lore in the in the presence of the the weapon stromkar which is apparently the sword that um Thoradin used to unite humanity, fight the trolls, and now we have this like whole thing about him going to fight a Chathraxi monstrosity. Don't ask me what that is, but he's fighting that in a forgotten tomb beneath Terrace Fall. And I'm sitting going, what? What? Where is what forgotten tomb in, in beneath Terrace Fall? And then they start dumping. Like there's another the uh, the war swords of Valajar, which are like all about the Titan Keeper Odin. Who I, you know, I never heard of the guy, 
and there's this whole thing about what's going to be going on in the Broken Isles, and then there's like three paladin weapons that like tie well two two of the paladin weapons tie into this and it's just like i'm like going crazy yeah because it's just all this stuff like we've we've wondered forever like what was the deal with terrace fall what was the deal with tears hand um why are they called that what's it, what's the connection to tear and i well and I the other th- the other big thing is like as far as Tears Fall Glades go, there's a couple of notable things about Tears Fall Glades, one of which is when the Highborn landed there, and we discussed this, I think we discussed this in an earlier episode, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We were discussed about it before. But when, when the High Elves landed and um, after they were exiled, after the Sundering, after everything that went down there, uh, there, were, there were vague reports of people kind of going mad due to hearing strange voices and things like that. And that's why they didn't stay in Tiraswell Glades. They actually moved somewhere else to establish Kalthalos, which was probably for the best. But we've always yeah. kind of wondered what's what's going on down under Tiraswell Glades. And the other thing is they put in that mysterious, weird, freaky event with those fairy dragons and the, and the circle. And I always felt like maybe that ties into Oh, yeah, into that it weird somehow. ceremony thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. I always felt like maybe that ties into that somehow as far as, like, well, it's, it's some sort of warding ceremony to keep whatever's underground there underground. Like whatever it is, we're going to get more about it because um, the Paladin Sword and Shield uh, Truth Guard touches yeah. on it. The Paladin uh, – the, the, the Silver Hand, the actual Silver Hand – Yep. That the Order of the Silver Hand, and I'm sorry, I'm getting loud here. I know, <laughs> I'm just like ridiculously excited about this because uh, one of the things it talks about is that you know, th- I'm a big. I've always been really into like the lore behind Alduin. Like I always have been. It's just one of those places that I keep going back to when other people talk about Alduar or Aldum, I'm always like, but don't forget Alduin. And we finally have some kind of hint as to what Alduin might have been used for. Yeah. Because Arcadeus gets mentioned. Um, who's the guardian of, of Ultima when you go in, he's the last boss before he's you get the to the He's the last boss there, and you kind of feel yeah. bad for killing him now. Yeah, I feel like we really should have like stopped him. And, wait, wait, well, hold it's, on. Can we... It's, it's kind of interesting, actually, because when you look at it, when you look at it in the long game, right? We've been playing this game for like 10 years or whatever. And when we first started out stumbling into Azeroth, just killing things willy-nilly, we didn't really have any kind of understanding of what they really were. Mm-hmm. And as the game has progressed, particularly with the introduction of Wrath of the Lich King and all of the Titan information that was presented there, suddenly these facilities that we just kind of stumbled into and were like, oh, look, Lost Vikings reference. Oh, look, there's like a, a mini, Map room. Si- mini city down here. This is pretty cool. Look, yeah. Godzilla. Rawr. You know, all of this <laughs> stuff suddenly starts to make so much more sense. Um, yeah, and it's just... And you kind of regret, I sort of probably shouldn't have gone stomping in there just killing things willy-nilly you know and it's it's really interesting too because if you think about it terrace fall is a lot closer to the broken isles than like oh yeah it, it's, it's right there they're right they're right across from each other right and so it kind of makes sense Did, the, the thing is is we don't know if this happened pre or post sundering we don't know if tears retreat like when did he when did he run when did he steal the discs of norganon i i should just say like in one of the things that's revealed is that Tyr and Arcadeus were like, what's up with Loken? Yeah. He's acting really weird. Uh, so they stole the discs of Norganon and, and hightailed it down to Tyr's fall. Mm-hmm. And when they got there, Loken was like, uh-uh, he ain't having it. And sent basically, quote unquote, uh, old god monstrosities after them. Horrific monsters. And uh, 
Which we Tyr- know, you know, old guy. Yeah. Tyr- Tyr goes down fighting them to let Archidaeus and his followers retreat. Who are his followers? Are they the ancestors to the dwarves? Or are they the ancestors to humans? Because humans named all sorts of stuff after Tyr. How would the humans know Tyr fell in Tyr's fall? Unless yep. there were some ancestral human there to see it or know about it. And it's like, we have Tyr's hand and Tyr's fall. Like, for, for years we've we've thought that what happened was that some some of the Vrykul were like, we're not going to kill our, our, our human children. We're going to take them south and, and escape with them. But that's just from King Ymir on. Yeah, what if, it what looks if, like we're going to get some kind of expansion on that. Yeah, and what if like the some of the followers, like some of the Vrykul who followed him, went on full-on Curse of Flesh, turned into humans, and were waiting there for them? What if that was like just the place, that, and they got there, and they're like, what is this place? And I was like, oh, let us tell you. There's this guy named Tyr, and he was great. He was uh, amazing. But, I mean, then there's like the whole thing with, like, I haven't even mentioned Karazhan of Zergritis, but I want to like let you talk about that. Oh. Uh, the, the, there's a whole thing with Keeper Odin. And I'm starting to wonder, was Loken the first prime designate? We know he was the prime designate when we killed him, but was he the first one? Or considering that we've got Odin down in the Broken Isles, and his name's Odin. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you know anything about Norse mythology, Odin's right up near the top. You know, first and, of the Aesir's, you know. And, and I'm sitting here thinking, we've got Rodan, too, uh, Master Ra, who is so powerful that the Titans personally entrusted him with clearing out the Black Empire forces and ending that. They sent him south to what's now Pandaria. And I find myself wondering, was this all part of Loken's plan to get these like really powerful figures out of his way? You guys go over there and do that thing, and you go down south and do that thing, and I'll just be up here, you know, doing my thing, yeah, Titan things. I'm totally not going to betray everybody. Totally <laughs> not doing anything bad, yeah. So, Joe... Wait. Your yeah. thoughts, because we got a lot of stuff. Well, I mean, the problem is, is right. There's too much here, right? There's too much <laughs> to sift through, and it's everything that I've been well, waiting for classes? for ten damn years. How many classes? Oh, oh twelve. God. Twelve. Okay, classes. and how many specs? <laughs> three per. Three per, except that the except it balances out. It balances, it balances out. out. It balances out to three per if you account for druids. Oh and, yeah, uh, and de- and demon. And, Demon hunters. So Demon three hunters. times ten would be thirty plus another six. Thirty-six. Thirty-six. So, That's so we have six thirty-six artifact tiny weapons. Tiny little chunks of new lore that were but just that's the like. Thing. They're and not it, tiny. They're not no, tiny at all. But like, I mean, it's like a it's like a paragraph a piece, right? But in that in these paragraphs is just like so much stuff to work well, with. In in like you guys, I'm really excited because now we're starting to get potentially answers to a lot of questions that we started maybe. having later on. Maybe, um, you know, we're 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 going to see more Titan lore, and we're definitely going to see more Titan lore because half of these weapons are tied to the Titans in some manner. Um, there's going to be so much here, and I'm really excited about that. It makes me wonder how each of the classes plays out. And I'm not going to lie, this is the first time in years that I've been very, 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 very tempted to max out or at least get to a potential place with each one of these classes where I can experience the class stories or quest stories for each of these weapons, because I think each one is going to be phenomenal and it's just going to give us so much more information and it's going to reveal so much more. And I'm really excited about that. I'm, I'm excited that there, there's a focus on story. Okay. Can we, can we, can we just talk for a second about the fact that they have 
officially acknowledge the crypts beneath Karazhan and yes! implied that we'll be going there. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of the warlock quest. It's part and, of the warlock and the death knight. And the, the death knight. Both of them. Both of them. And I was I'm, so excited to hear what about. I, what, oh what I'm hoping is I'm hoping that they don't they don't do anything. If you've never been in the crypts beneath Karazhan, I'm going to address listeners here. If you've never been in the crypts beneath Karazhan, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if you haven't, because they've been kind of sealed away. There are ways to get in there, but they're kind of, I, I, they may have stopped all ways right, to get in there. There's some really it. creepy stuff down there. There's yeah. some really creepy stuff, and everything, every section down there, and it's fairly substantial in size. Every section down there has a particular name to it. Mm-hmm. Like there's that the place... Popper's Walk. There's the and the one that everybody always talks about is the Upside Down Centers, and this is a room. It's entirely filled with water. There are chains stretched across the room, and there are people that are hanging or have been hung anyway from these chains but because it's underwater they're floating big girl little china style it's yeah it's and that's why they call it the upside down sinners is because they're all hanging but they're hanging upside down because they're floating upwards it's kind of gross and creepy and um even even the early stuff in western plaguelands and eastern plaguelands didn't get quite as creepy as that crypt under Karazhan, and we never really understood what they were going to do with it. Well, so, and that's the thing—they never even commented on it, really, too. No, like, they no, never it, talked it, about it. They never talked about it. It was just kind of sealed off. So it was there. It was there way before Karazhan as a as a raid instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this yeah. Was like Morgan's vanilla. plot and the crypt beneath it was always kind of there, and it was always named. And there was, you know, there's like not necessarily there's kind of music there, but I think the music is mostly stuff from like. Deadwood Pass or something? Uh, Deadwood yeah. Pass, Dead Pass yeah. So it's not really thematic music or anything like that. But the rooms and everything that are in there kind of imply that there was something bigger also- going on down there. Something that had nothing to do with Medivh at all. Which is also it, potentially great because with Deadwind Pass, we're getting more about the Deadwind Riders, too. I know, right. The Dark Riders. Even, oh, all we've again. even got something terrifying that might even be the origin of Karazhan itself in one of these things. I know. <laughs> it's like some messed up stuff, the Warlock stuff. Um uh, you know, just woof. so much wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Laura. Yeah, the Dark Riders. I mean, we learned more about the Dark Riders in the graphic novel Dark Riders. We learned that they were merchants, basically, who were trying to sell magic artifacts to Medivh, but most of them were just frauds. They were like fake magical artifacts. Some of them, however, were real. And there was this whole thing going on where they, they like, tried to sell him all of this fake stuff right and Medivh was angry about this after about the you know millionth or so fake thing they tried to sell him so he cursed them and he cursed them to forever pay for their dishonesty with him by collecting actual magical artifacts from all over the world well all over the kingdom all over the world regardless and you know bring them back to Karazhan so he basically cursed them to go do the thing they were professing to do in the first place only this time he's not paying them for it they're just paying for it with their you know eternal souls or whatever um so a lot of the things that they brought back some of the things that they brought back are actually going to be artifacts in yep. the in the expansion so you get to kind of delve into this story dive into the story a little bit but Apparently, the Dark Riders have something to do with those crypts. Yep. Well, it would make sense. Like, what if? I mean, what if their mortal bodies are like interred there? That would be kind of cool too. But I'm just, I'm like, 
are they the upside down sinners? That's what I was thinking. Because <laughs> that would be being kind of cool. And you know what? It totally, it totally, totally fits with the warlock and the death knight thing. Yeah, because they're I... like dark, creepy classes. And oh, this, yeah. this is like a dark, creepy class quest. Um, well, plus, I mean, the other th- there's another artifact that they're involved with, although it's not mentioned specifically with the tomb. Yeah. Uh, but apparently the Scythe of a Loon is going to be an artifact. Yeah, because yes. the Scythe of a Loon is... Well, and I mean, the Scythe of a Loon is... That's kind of been a, 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 a weapon of contention since Vanilla, pretty much. I just... I'm, I'm finding myself absolutely stunned at the idea that Medivh basically has this artifact, like, weapons program. Where he's got at least two of them in his base. You know what though? It makes it makes a little bit he's of got a, so many it makes of them. Sense, he's, got, he's got more than just the things that we're that we're getting as like artifact weapons. He's got like Well think about it. The the, uh, the Ethereals. Why why were they why else were they in there aside from looking for the these sort of treasure trove? They're in Karazan for a reason. It's not just because they're of looking magic. For the treasure. They're and, looking for the treasures. And the Burning Legion are in there because hello, it's like jackpot motherload. Not only is it you know, not only is Karazan itself set at the nexus of ley line so it's Mm -hmm. just a powerful location in and of itself it's also jam-packed with more magical tomes books research artifacts you name it many have squirreled it away in there like he was waiting for winter to come you know if we're going to talk about that though we have to talk about um the deadwind harvester Mm, yes because that's another piece of lore that that's related to the crypts obviously but it's also can i just read this yeah, go ahead. Sure. Okay. The first Necrolite to walk the world of Azeroth, Satiel, was given this scythe by the Titan Sargeras himself. It grows in power as it draws souls from its victims. The Harvester earned its name as Satiel methodically drained all life from the hapless inhabitants of Deadwind Pass, creating a potent magical nexus there in the process. Hunting down Satiel, the Guardian of Tirisfall turned the scythe on her, sending her soul to join those of her victims. Like... Who? What guardian? Which one? When did this happen? <laughs> like what? What? This was obviously pre-medieve. It was pre-age win, probably. Probably, um, but like when? When was it the first guardian? Because I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure. No, it wasn't the first guardian because I think the first guardian was a dude. Well, the her is Satiel. It doesn't actually. Say, oh, okay, okay. The guardian it doesn't say what gender. So the guardian's been, yeah. gender is not implied, so it could be any yeah. of the guardians, any of yeah. them. Um, yeah. and I think that were it age win. That would have been mentioned somewhere, although obviously we didn't have the lore of that for that to begin with. But like Medivh, you know, Medivh points out in The Last Guardian, he says, maybe the tower was built because I was meant to come here eventually. So it kind of makes sense that yeah, a guardian just... caused the tower to spring into being somehow. <laughs> yeah, just the whole thing is just like, what? Like, oh my, yeah, whoa. It's a little mind-blowing. It's a little yeah. mind-blowing. And that's that's why there's a nexus there, and it's not a natural one. So it's not one of the ones that uh, Malagos would have been pulling on. No. So it would have it would have endured. It's like, oh my, this is so messed up. Well, and, just, and what just, I'm wondering is, is that magical nexus? Is that where Karazhan was created? It seems like it would was have this, to be. Was this the impetus for the creation of Karazhan? And if that's the case, that would also explain why Malagos was so gung-ho about yanking all the ley lines back up to Northern where they belonged. Because he missed all of this stuff while he was kind of cuckoo and not yeah. quite all there. Um, and when he was kind of snapped out of his madness, he looked at the mortals of the world and he looked at the world itself and he looked at what the mortals were doing and said whoa, 
whoa, hold on. No, it's not supposed. No, you're not supposed. Ooh, bad children shouldn't be playing with things you don't understand. I'm just going to gather it all up here and the rest of you can. Yeah. And those of you who are really invested in playing with this stuff, I'm going to kill you all. Which was madness on another level. Malagos wasn't exactly. Yeah, he, but man. He, he regained his sanity, but his sanity led him to some unsettling conclusions. I don't know. The fact that he was drawing from Nether Drakes implies to me isn't quite as soon as. No, I don't think he was. I think, I think personally, I think that all of that time spent up in Northrend, possibly Yogg-Saron got to him a little bit. But it, I mean, I mean, it's just me. like this: the the disc, the disc priest weapon. Just wow. Okay, you guys are nuts. I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I feel like you guys need to talk because if I don't, if you don't stop me, I'll just keep going forever. So. <laughs> Which ones did you find interesting there, Joe? Uh, honestly, I like the. Uh, I'm a little bit partial, of course, but I was really happy with the uh, the fist of Raiden for Shaman. Um, I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, the fact that for for anybody who doesn't know, um, we're basically getting a weapon that was imbued with the power that was used to bring the Mogu race to life. It's yeah, it was High Keeper Raw. So like yeah. Raw was pretty much used. Raw pretty much you basically what you're doing with the fist of raw den is you're harnessing you're channeling the power of the storm itself which is really cool um and i loved the whole thematic aspect behind that too and i also love the fact that they were bringing raw den back into the picture a little bit because once you saw him once you saw him in throne of thunder that was pretty much it it was like oh here is the god brought low not necessarily the god per se but you know what i mean um well- and then there's also the cool aspect of it of also coming back to the August Celestials as well, which is yeah. something that we haven't heard anything from since Miss Ended, which, you know, is to be somewhat expected. But you find out that Zuin has been secreting this away for, well, ever, and has basically been keeping it from everybody because he saw how dangerous it was. To so, be fair, though, did we really expect them to keep in touch after what we did to Pandaria? <laughs> no, no, not really. <laughs> Wow, that means, totally, that means, I, I think we were lucky that they just sort of let us go. But now it makes me wonder, why the hell are they going to give us the Fist of Rod End then? Like, what do we do that says, okay, we're okay, people. You can go ahead and have the this fist that has ultimate power to create races. We're the only thing standing between the Burning Legion and to- the complete annihilation of Azeroth, so he figures it'd <laughs> probably be a good time to pop that out and hand it over. Probably. Even then! Probably. You know, I, we were being shielded by mists, but since those are gone, just take whatever you need to keep us from getting destroyed by demons. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was... that island is like way up there and we're way down here, but still, you know, they'll get here eventually. We'd rather they didn't. So here, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. <laughs> The other ones that uh, I was actually really excited for as well, uh, me and Rossi were talking about this a little bit earlier, the Claws of Ursoc. Um Yes. Those are really, really cool. Uh, not only because it's part of the old wild gods, like we're talking like Ursoc, the one that's worshipped the by ancient. all bear things. The yes. ancient. Uh, it turns you into a fire bear, which is awesome on top of itself. It's also a really awesome model, which we were talking about. Um, what and... I- it ties in with fur bulbs, which makes me really happy. Cause... Yeah, I think what finds what I find interesting about that, as far as the 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 artifact itself, the claws of Ursoc, um, the lore behind it. As far as we knew, you know, we were talking about this the other day when we were talking about the ancients versus the Titan Watchers and how the ancients were kind of spawned of Azeroth itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we kind of have evidence of a Titan Watcher in not only you know 
noticing the fact that the ancients are there, but giving the ancient a gift. Well, yeah, it's it's there's interaction right? there. There's interaction yeah. going on there. And we know that there now we now we have confirmation that there is. Yeah. And that's really awesome. I also like the fact that uh, we are going to have to probably get those claws from Ursok himself, which is because, pretty cool because Ursok has them in the Emerald Dream. Which means that the druids are going to be taking a trip into the Emerald Dream, which is pretty cool. And also, we, we got to discover another one too: the Fangs of Ashaman. Of Ashaman. Yeah. And that's pretty awesome. We get to discover another ancient. Um, and that there's, it's just if I if I myself wondering like you know. Is this going to be the fight that's bad enough to get these ancients to get up? Because they like a lot of them died during the War of the Ancients, and they've only just now started coming back. Like, uh, wasn't it? I forget which one was it. Aviana. Aviana. Yes. Yeah, she came back. So uh, I don't know, man. There's there's Speaking so many. Speaking of Aviana, we've restoration druids. They get they actually get a branch taken from the mother tree. The first tree, the tree that spawned all other trees. Um, world trees on Azeroth are, they are products of seeds from the mother tree. And the mother tree itself was destroyed during the War of the Ancients. But I guess like some of the seeds survived. Yeah, and some in this branch did apparently. Yeah, and somebody saved a branch. Aviana, apparently. So yeah, it's um, that... All of the druid weapons are kind of spot-on appropriate. I, I don't have a problem with any of them. I, I think that it's absolutely appropriate for the Scythe of the Loon to be there, given what we learned about Worg and Worgen druids, that kind of... It, the, the Scythe of the Loon was basically responsible for the creation of the Worgen. So it's pretty cool that balanced druids are getting that. And everything else, it ties into the druid mythos so well that I'm just... I'm, like, really excited about it. The only... There, there's a couple there's a couple of these weapons where I'm kind of like, oh. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if we're going to talk about that, then I think we should talk about the Shaman Restoration weapon. Yeah, that oh, one I was kind of confused about. I was just uh, it, just confused about, I think. So yeah. It's the as Scepter a re- of Ashara. Yeah, as a Restoration Shaman uh, myself, uh, I was very, very initially excited and then very, very confused. So... The whole idea is that it's a powerful scepter from the Queen of Shara uh, before a transformation into a Naga. We know it dates back to the War of the Ancients. And the scepter has water in it, uncorrupted water from the Well of Eternity. So what got me about this is, one, Queen of Shara was a mage. Two, the Well of Eternity was an arcane font and filter. I don't understand how this ties into Restoration Shaman besides just a tenuous link to water. It's water, um, so water. But yeah. yeah, it doesn't quite work. Now, See, if they told me that she this... stole it from like a Furbolg Shaman, I'd be all over it. Like, that's yeah. fine. See, here's the thing. Reading this thing, taken up by surviving night elves who, who knew nothing of the power it truly held. It was buried with an unknown priestess in a family tomb in Ashuna, waiting to be discovered by someone that could unlock its true potential. Now, this is purely me just tinfoiling it, but the fact that Ashara destroyed Asuna, she cursed it and destroyed it, and the fact that this weapon is apparently key to shamans keeps making me think, what if the night elves had shamans before the War of Eternity? You know, the war, you know, before the War of the Ancients, what if they had shamans? I mean, they're descended from trolls. Trolls have shamans. There's no reason they would have necessarily abandoned shamanism, although certainly it might have gotten superseded. And, you know, the Highborn probably wouldn't have had them. We're getting but, gnome hunters. 
Yeah, I just every time I look at this, I keep thinking to myself, there's no reason that night elves wouldn't have had a shamanistic tradition. It might have fallen out of favor. Uh, but then you find yourself wondering, why would Queen Ashara create a scepter for them? Well, then Unless it makes me it wonder would... if there's going to be an announcement that we're going to get Night Elf Shaman as a, a class. in. That's Legion why I said we yeah. just got gnome hunters. I, I'm, don't, I don't expect this. Uh, It'd be weird. I, it would be weird. But I do find myself wondering if they're going to tie it into the origins of the Night Elves. Because the Night Elves became Night Elves via that well. You know what I mean? That's yeah. where they come from. They Before that well, they were just a bunch of trolls. And they weren't even particularly good trolls. They were the trolls maybe, who out in the dark. Maybe during the course of the quest, you discover that, like, I don't know. Maybe the troll shaman became the arcane mages. Maybe. I don't maybe, know. Maybe. But, it, like, it's one of those things where I really maybe hope... There's a link there. I really hope that the class quest ties that up really, really nicely. And it's not just lol water. <laughs> um, but everything like because i'm looking at like again i look at the fist of raiden and i see how spot on that is and that seems exactly like an elemental weapon and doomhammer i begrudgingly admit is a perfect enhancement shaman weapon and then i look at this and it's like i don't i don't see the tie into lore yet i'm hoping that i'm gonna be floored i'm hoping that i'm gonna be blown away and i'm hoping that they got something up their sleeves but it's one of those ones that definitely has me scratching my head and i'm kind of I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Legion so I can find out what the heck happened to this. You want perfect lore, though? Absolutely perfect lore weapon? Sure. Fellow Malorn. Yes. Yes. That is perfect. I don't even like playing a mage, and that's just perfect. You know, the, the idea that Fellow Malorn... I mean, the other two are cool, like Ebonchill and, you know, uh, Aluneth. They're both cool staves. And you'd expect mages to have a couple of staves. But Fellow Malorn is just perfect for for fire mages. It's just the ultimate. It's the ultimate synergy between game lore and game lore we've heard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and and this class, like you know, if Kale wasn't a fire mage, uh, he certainly was a mage, and it just works. It works perfectly. It just yeah, that one. And I do like the idea of of the other two as well because yeah. they tie into the guardians. Obviously, you've got Aluneth which was Agewind's staff, apparently, for a while. And then you've got Ebonchill, and Ebonchill was... That was... Uh, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right, because, honestly, um, I've only ever seen his name in print, but I think it's Olodi. Yeah, I... I but he was the first Guardian of Tirisfall. He, he, he was the first. Like, the absolute first. So this weapon that you get, this frost weapon, Ebonchill, which I don't... I don't quite like the name. <laughs> Just because of the name, to me, it sounds like a Death Knight weapon, but it's not, obviously. You know, you're talking about Frost Mage weapon. Um, however, his having his staff, that's like, you have to understand, having Ebonchill and having Luneth even, both of those, it's like carrying around, it's like carrying around Medivh's staff. Yeah, it's interesting it's because... It's an earlier version of Atiesh. Well, especially, like, if if you look at it this way... Ebonchill is the first Guardian of Tirisfall staff, mm-hmm. and Al- and Aluneth is arguably the greatest Guardian of Tirisfall staff. Yeah. Like, so between the two of them, you're looking at like you know Guardian history. Yeah. It's it's the you know very order. I, I just you know, but as much as I think they're really cool, and I do, I can't get past uh, Fellow Malorn because it's just perfect. Uh, but you know, I mean, I- I'll mention this one is a really strange one to me. Um, the beast, the beastmaster hunter artifact. 
which is a techno magic gun. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed out about that because I really like using a bow on my hunter. So I'm kind of hoping that maybe there's a way you can cosmetically turn it into a bow. Yeah, <laughs> I know that one of the models for it is a crossbow. Is, like there's, is it? There's okay. A, there's a crossbow. Yeah, you can, you can I still it like into the whatever. long bows, though. No, I, but I, I like mean, the... you can mog it into whatever, but I mean, you can turn it, like one of the special forms of it is yeah. a crossbow, not not mogging, just, you know, you can make it be a crossbow. But yeah, I, the funny thing I have is, it, like, it doesn't feel Beastmastery. No. Like, it feels like the Mark's weapon. Well, I mean, it's, a, I, it's it an may, advanced it, gun. It which, seems like Beastmastery, and if you expect Gnome Hunters to have it, I guess, because, you know, Mimron made it. Yeah, but then by by that argument that the the marksmanship weapon, which is a bow, wouldn't work for gnome hunters. I think the thing that kind of falls short for me with that one in particular is because you go, okay, beastmaster, they're one with nature and animals and things like that. Let's give them a the titan techno- laser. Let's give them a titan laser gun. Yeah, it's powered by the it heart of like quite, thunder. It doesn't quite sync up for me. Yeah, it's, it's and, and maybe there's a really fascinating body. story behind it or something, but. It doesn't I just quite sync honestly, up with that particular spec for me. Yeah, like I, I keep thinking honestly that they should just switch it with the Marks weapon. For all that, I, I get why you want to give the wind, the Windrunner bow to like the Marks hunters because yeah. Windrunners don't usually use a pet. Yeah. And since that's kind of what Marks is now, it's the petless class, it's the petless spec. So I understand giving their bow to them, but it just seems weird to be using this techno magic gun. I mean. Again, for some, for like, you know, Torin and dwarves and gnomes, guns make sense. And for humans, I guess, human hunters. That's like, well, everybody can be a hunter now, right? I think so. No, mm-hmm. with the addition of gnomes, hunters join warriors as the class anybody can be. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure everybody, I think gnomes were like the last holdout. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I still, I do love the spirit. And I, I love the fact that we're going to get into like an in-depth look at the High Mountain clan, like what they're up to. The High Mountain date all the way back to the War of the Ancients. So yeah. that's I find that really fascinating that we're actually going to see what happened to them. Because that was another one of those questions that had never really gotten answered. Um, yeah. There were there were Torin mentioned in the War of the Ancients trilogy. And yes, that was kind of – that was Ronan and Crisis going back in time and messing with things. But there were Torin there. There were Torin there. So it was like, well, what happened to those guys? Where did they go? Now we know. We're going to find out. Apparently they split because the Torin, there are Torin that we have right now with the High Mountain name. Yeah. So apparently the High Mountain split up or something. Or maybe they're just like ancestors or something. I don't know. Uh, but there's like, I mean, geez, I, I can, I'm literally trying, I'm like trying to not like go nuts. Like there's the, the Aldrachi Warblades, which is entirely new lore for the Demon Hunter class. Mm-hmm. For the Vengeance spec. But I mean, just... They're basically – I got to read this to you. It's, it, I don't know when this happened, but in ages past, the Dark Titan Sargeras offered the mighty Aldrachi people a place in his Burning Legion, but the Aldrachi proved incorruptible. They slew innumerable demons before their race was wiped out. Sargeras personally killed their greatest champion and seized his weapons. It's like, when did he do that? <laughs> did he do that before? During the eons in which yeah. the Burning Legion was, was it like before he, before he went to Argus or after? Yeah. Yeah. Like, did he, did he try it once that didn't work out? So he went and looked for people just a little bit more corruptible. I need somebody just a, a smidgen less ethical. Or like, <laughs> did he like, so it worked really well with the trainer. Let's try it with these guys. Oh, nope. Didn't work this time. <laughs> these look. guys qu- aren't quite as sleazy as the Aridar were. <laughs> I don't know. I thought this was going to go. I'm, just like, 
I, I think the thing that I'm dealing with right now, and, and again, you know, I preface this by saying I pay a little too much attention to the lore, and maybe that's why this kind of upsets me. I don't think I'm going to play Assassination next expansion, because I, the weapons, the weapons that Assassination Rogues get, I, I have a problem with them. And it's because they were the daggers that Garona used to murder King Lane. Um, Anguish and Sorrow, which are aptly named, I mean, apt name on it, but at the same time, why would you willingly pick those up? Particularly if you're a human rogue. Like, do you hide them when Varian walks by? Because Varian witnessed his father's death Mm -hmm. firsthand. He was just a kid. But you'd think that the sight of those daggers would be forever burned into his memory. So I, it just doesn't sit right. It doesn't feel right to me. Hey, well, especially when even she was like, she was like, hide these. Nobody should ever use these. Nobody I don't should want to see ever these. use these again. They and then we're like, no, nah, we got that. Cause they're we're, like, we're this, they're, 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 they're like a reminder of, she didn't want to kill Lane. She was like the mind slave of Gul'dan at that point in the Shadow Council. She had no choice. And yet, while she was killing Lane, she was perfectly cognizant of what she was doing. She was just unable to stop it. Varian, when Varian talks about what happened in the Warcraft comic series, he mentions that Garona is crying, that she's got tears streaking down her cheek, and he doesn't cheeks, and he doesn't understand why. It's because she knows. She knows what she's doing. She's just powerless to stop it. And that's, it's just kind of upsetting to me that, like, we would choose to pick those weapons back up. No, they should have been, like, melted down a long yep. time ago. It's just, ugh. But on the other hand, the other two weapons are awesome. The other two weapons are awesome. Um, the Dreadblades, Fate and Fortune, hello. They have a rapier version. Yes. And... I because think I'm going to have to go outlaw next expansion. Between that and the pistol, I'm like, ooh, swash. This made me want to level a rogue. Like, mm-hmm. no joke. Mm-hmm. The Cutlass version, I think, is just amazing. They're beautiful. I really like the Cutlass. They're but also, uh, just for the story of this, because one of the names who's been coming up a few times is Mephistroth. Yes. Mephistroth's actually showing up in a lot of these previews. And uh, the ones I like is the Subtlety Fangs of the Devourer, Gormor the Devourer, Sargeras' personal hound, claimed countless lives before it was eventually ambushed and killed in another world long ago. It's like, that's the opening. That's where these things come from. It's just like, oh man, I love these things. And the best part is apparently we're going to go kill one of Sargeras' personal assassins to get these things. Yep. Because, you know, so, so apparently... If you thought... A black dragon sending you to kill Deathwing was bad. Yeah, now you get to go hunt down like one of the most deadly assassins that the Burning Legion has in its ranks, and take take their take their weapons and use them for yourself. And by the way, their fangs from a giant demon dog. Yep, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm still. I mean, oh man, I could just I I'm like having a hard time because they're all pretty awesome. Um. The Windwalker monk weapons are awesome. Uh, I much love all... the fact that the monk weapons all kind of tie into, uh, you know, we do get Pandaria lore still. And for me, I, I really like the fact that we're getting more Pandaria lore. And we even have like more Wrath lore. There's more lore, like you could argue it's kind of Cataclysm lore because there's stuff in there about Neltharian. 
before he went crazy. All of this stuff ties back into expansions that we've already done. And it gives us stories and it kind of rounds out these expansions that we've already done. And this is the first time, I think, that I've seen that tackled like this in depth. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, because it, it makes it a part of the game's world. Yeah. It's not just all oh, this new stuff that you've never heard of. I don't think any of these artifacts, with like a few exceptions, very few of these artifacts are like Legion-y specific. Yeah. Like I'm they looking all, at the yeah, f- they all hold back to something else. Monk fist weapons aren't even Pandaria specific. They actually tie in a Cataclysm to a degree. Yeah. Because they're Alakir Windlord weapons, and they're this Tolvir. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tolvir made them. And I love that too. We're getting more Tolvir stuff, which is cool because I really wanted more Tolvir in Cataclysm and we didn't get it. So we're getting a little piece of it here and I'm really happy about that. Yeah, there's like so much of that kind of stuff. I just, I really could talk about this. Like I, I want to, I could literally sit around and, and just have like a, like a tiny little nerd or, or just explosion <laughs> thinking about like Stromkar the Warbreaker because it's the sword for the first human king. It's it's kind of um, it's kind of Excalibur. Yeah, in it that is. to that degree, I when it when we I still like the fact that we're getting so much stuff about Tyrus Fall here and Cthraxi, Cthraxi yeah. monstrosity beneath Tyrus Fall glades in a forgotten tomb. Was that tomb? Was it one of the old god prisons? Like what was it? What was it? Tyrus tomb. And the thing, it, it might be, it might be, because this is um, obviously, you know, Tyr's fall, Tyr's fall. Um, well, the thing is, is we have the thing that Tyr basically, he said, no, save yourselves, I'll hold them. And he stood and died. Like, does he have a real tomb or is he just buried underground, surrounded by like the monsters that came to kill him? Like, and you, you talked before about that, like, you know, the whole thing where Tyr's fall drove people crazy. Mm-hmm. Was that why Thornton had to go there? Because keep in mind. Like it's it's hard when we we talk about the stuff and we don't really think this is that far ago, but it's still twenty eight hundred years ago. It's a long, 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 long time yeah. ago. Keep in mind that you know this, this is, is like kind the of first me. first human kingdoms. Did he go up there? Is that is that why they get, they could settle the area? Did he go up and take out the thing that was making it impossible for people to settle there, or was it that Tyr was driving people off? Was Tyr like Tyr's essence? making people leave because it wasn't safe for them, you know? And did he only allow the humans to stay because they were effectively the descendants of his followers? Like, there's just, like, what's going on? I don't even know. Well, and the thing is, is, you know, the Cthraxi. We have Cthune, obviously, but Cthune's all the way on the other side of the world, like, south. South and and across in Kalimdor. So is this a Cthune thing, or is Cthrax something else entirely? No idea. Like old we, we had... gods. Well, there's still, I mean, there's still yet an unnamed old god, isn't there? I don't know, because we never really determined how many there are. There could be. Well, here's the other thing, too, is are we talking about on Azeroth or in general? Because we know there's many, many, many old god type things throughout the cosmos. Like, you know, uh, what's his name? Har- Harbinger Skyrus? Skyrus? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In uh, in the uh, Architraz basically says, we span the universe as countless as the stars. So... What's up? I mean, is is Cthraxi just a type of, of, you know, old god monstrosity? Is it a name of a being? What is it? I just like, oh, my God, I don't even know. Like, and the feel is like, you know, why did they go to, to the, the Eastern Kingdoms? Like, I, whether or not the Eastern Kingdoms were broken off from Calendar yet, why did they go there? Were they headed to Oldemon? Were they going to hide in Oldemon? 
Was that like, were they like, okay, Olduwar's not safe. Uh, See, and I thought that Oldemon was like a research facility. It was not a research facility. It's like a Titan library. It's like a historical facility. It's, it's where they, you know, I thought that Arca, I, I'm missing. Yes. Arcadeus. I thought he was just like, you know, he's one of Azeroth's historians. That's what he's there for. His pants were were in Olduwar though. I know that because I got them. Mm. lost leg plates were in Olduwar. And there's also a reference to uh, another um, boss from Olduman in Olduwar. Uh, forget her name, but the the one that the, the one that comes out when you do the map room. Yes. When she comes out, there's a drop in Olduman in Olduwar named after her as well. So she might have been there with Arcadeus. They might have both run there together. And it could have very well been a library. And if you're trying to research, if you're taking the discs of old, of, of Norganon. Oh, Ironia. Ironia. If you're taking the discs of Norganon away from Loken to to research what's happened to him, you might want to go to, to Oldemont because well, that might be the place to go for that kind of research. And what's really funny, though, is is like when you get those discs, when you get those discs in Oldemont, you're told to take them to Oldham. Yeah. To see what they say. So you have to take them all the way out to Daenerys and take them down south. So like all of these facilities are very much tied together. Um, yeah. It just and it's like what is there something like that? How does it all work? Yeah, there's so much there's so uh, much there to work. And they even mention in one of them, I think it's a paladin sword shield. Yeah. The Titanic Watchers, Tyr and Archidaeus created this shield when their comrade Loken fell to corruption. They gave Truth Guard to a Vrykel champion who used it to expose Vulcan's treachery. When Tyr and his allies later stole the discs of Norganon and fled, the champion stayed behind and fed, held off many of Loken's servants. A desperate Loken sent hor- horrific monsters after Tyr, who fell in combat. In time, the Vrykel champion migrated to Stormheim in the Broken Isles, where the shield was eventually ens- entombed in the Path of Kings. Why? Did he go to Stormheim? What what's going he was on? Looking for Valhalla. I don't know. Yeah, was he gonna was he gonna actually gonna like rouse up Odin and all the like supposedly like honored Vrykel warriors and go try and storm Olderwar with it? Well, I, I mean, if you, like, think about it. If you need, if you, if you, if Loken is this absolute corrupted monstrosity mess that you need to deal with, and you let's say that Odin is the first, you know, prime designate, and you think his soul is in Valhalla, that would make perfect sense to me. I'm not saying I'm gonna go sense, say, but bro, you why, got shit to do. Go. Why didn't it happen? Like, what? What's going on? Like, why didn't? If they knew about Loken, like Tyr knew about Loken, Arcadius knew the, about Loken. Yeah, that was the thing that I was like, okay, so, so they exposed, they exposed Loken, or okay, so the Vrykel tra- champion, right? He he supposedly exposed Loken's treachery, but he didn't. Because well, Loken survived. Loken not only survived, he thrived long enough for us to run up, run into him in Wrath of the Lich King, where we finally uncovered his plot and everybody went, whoa, well, didn't people know about this already? Well, we also so don't what know, happened to this guy? Well, we also yeah. don't know who it was revealed to. Right. We also don't know if they even had a chance to, it could have been one of those things where they discovered it, got found out and fled. It could have been any number of things, or it could have been where the people that, or, or the the races or followers that they exposed him to all died. Here's the thing. You no, know, no. Here's the thing. This is this ties into the, the to the uh, tribunal of the ages perfectly. Okay. Because remember, there's a there's a war. Yeah. That Loken supposedly engineered between like the various giants, and at the oh, end of it, yeah. at the end of it, he put all the, the the he put a bunch of people in stasis and created all new Iron Vrykul, Iron Earthen, you know, Iron Dwarves. 
and other giants that so were loyal to him. So the people in stasis were maybe the ones that knew? knew. Except, yeah. here's the thing. He, Thorm, he got out of the way. And the frost giants, he got out of the way. Because he made them hate each other. Yeah. So they, they were too busy. Involved. They weren't involved anymore. Thorm was up, you know, warring and being like, "Where well, my wife is dead. So he was off, like, crying and wasn't involved. The, the, the frost giants were off, you know, fighting his forces and not involved. All the Vrykel loyal to him were fighting and not involved. And then what happens to the Watchers? Mimiron gets corrupted. Uh, Freya gets corrupted. Hodir gets corrupted. Mimiron gets corrupted. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, Tyr's not there. No. Archidaeus isn't there. Ironia isn't there. Their stuff's there, but they're not. Um, I forget who's Oriah. Is she the one walking around? I believe so. Yeah. She's the crazy cor- cat lady, yeah. She's corrupted. So the only uncorrupted one is Thorum. And we're the ones who, who hand Thorum over to him. Oh. It's perfect. It all makes sense. But what doesn't make sense is why didn't Odin do anything when this guy went to Stormheim? Maybe he, you know, that's, there's like, there's stuff going on that we don't get. There's stuff about Uldaman, there's stuff about Tiraspol, but it's just close. It's just, oh, it's driving me crazy. What I, what I love about this and I love about the whole artifact weapon system is that players have been asking for class quests, have been asking for Mm -hmm. class quests to return because they really liked those old class quests where you, you know, you went and did special things that were just, just for your class. And they were like, when do we get those back? And they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. No, they're giving us an expansion long class quest in the form of your artifact weapon. Um, There's one for everybody. And there's one for everybody. And it's not just like, there's actually three for everybody. It's spec classes. It's not even class quests anymore. Yeah. It's, it's classes and specs, but if you swap specs, you know, you can go do the other one. So, I mean, if I wanted to do all three of the rogue ones, I could, I just, you know, one of them is going to be faster than the other two. They said that there was going to be, like, catch-up mechanisms in place if you wanted to get the other artifact weapons. Um, they haven't specified how that's going to work exactly. But at the same time, this is a tremendous amount of lore that we're being presented with. And it's just for us. It's just for us as, as like, our class. And I'm, and that's not even going into anything that we're going to find in Legion itself, lore-wise. And that's, like, another gigantic probably another episode's worth of chit chat <laughs> yeah i mean just just i mean we still haven't even covered half of these like and it's just crazy it is just it's just crazy how many of these things there are um stuff like i don't i don't want to just rattle off a list of of artifacts or anything but like you mentioned that there's there's a skull there's a of a scale from deathwing yeah for before yep. he was deathwing and that's just Neltharian, like yeah. scale of the earth water yeah what did obviously Nelthari, this feels like the opposite. Like you said, Freya made those um, claws for Ursoc. Yeah. This feels like it's the other way around because it's like it, it's a scale that Deathwing must have given to a Vrykul. You know what I mean? Because he didn't lose a lot of scales. No. Uh, especially not before he was corrupted. He didn't. They weren't. That's that's when they started falling off of him. He was corrupted. So this is at some point he decided, here you go, you guys are cool. We're all against the old gods together. So here's a here's a scale and just. Ah, just like it's so much. It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. This is the second <laughs> time I've said this in the show. Um, <laughs> you could probably say it like a few more times too. Oh, and yeah. the priest, like, the priest, the priest weapons are interesting. I think what's most interesting about the priest weapons, you have to kind of look at the shadow weapon because that's it's it's the claw of an old god made into a weapon. 
I don't think there's anything potentially more terrifying in that entire list than this thing. Yeah. It's, it's a quite... piece, it's a chunk of an old god, and we're going to just carry it around and wield it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is, just, this, is, this is just his claw. It's just his claw. It has an eyeball on it. Yeah, and his eyeball, because it wouldn't be an old god weapon without an eyeball. Without an eyeball or teeth or something, you know. Some, some sort heavy of... metal nails. Yeah, something like that. But, yeah, this is, uh, it was it was interesting, because it, it's, it's, it was made from the claw of an old god aeons ago, and dark priests used it for ritual sacrifices during the height of the Black Empire. Okay, what's the Black Empire? Yeah, like, I mean, I... <laughs> I got a sense on that one. Like, you know, I think we can say we're pretty sure it's nothing good and it probably involved old gods in some fashion. Well, but... it predates the fall of the old gods because it says after the fall of the old gods, Zalatoth yeah. was hidden away by cults. So this weapon was created before the old gods were locked away. So it, this isn't like a weapon taken from a dead old god or anything. This is an old god going, oh, here's my fun, here's my claw. Here, Go ahead, here's make the a weapon. Beast. Take here's the weird thing about this, take, though, right? Nail trimming. There has been discussion about the Black Empire and the WoW forums and from yeah. little snippets that people found in the game since 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they've been mentioning it ever since, you know, Mists. They mm-hmm. mention it. They mention the Black Empire. And it's like, what was this time period? What happened during this time period? I think this is probably probably stuff that we're going to see mentioned in Chronicle. Probably. Because I believe that out of some of the preview illustrations that we were given, one of them was was of the old gods. It was like the war, the old gods war. Um, Peter Lee's done – is it Peter Lee? I think it's Peter Lee that did the illustrations for the book. And they're beautiful, number one. Number two, there's a lot of – a lot of the images that we were shown, I mean, Karazhan was shown, so obviously we're going to get some history for Karazhan. I have a feeling that the history that's presented in this book will probably expand upon what we don't get in-game as far as backstory behind these weapons or the events surrounding these weapons, um, which may be, why, again, why the book was delayed to spring, you know. Um, I'm kind of interested in seeing it, particularly if it sheds some light on this whole Black Empire thing, because that's fascinating. <laughs> anything old god is fascinating i love old god stuff you know me yeah well plus i mean uh, it's one of those things that it's kind of implied to be at least the uh, old gods and the akir or the, more accurately the proto insectoid race that predated the akir like because the akir are actually like what happened after the old gods fell right so i mean it's probably got like faceless ones and all that stuff in it but there's one picture here of just the elementals going nuts yeah from chronicle that i think is at least in some way involved in that Hard to tell what they're fighting. Though. Um, let's see. It looks like it looks like Metzen confirmed at the Mists of Pandaria launch party that the Black Empire will be covered in Chronicle. So we're going to get that. We're going to get a lot of stuff. That book is going to be a really good book. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Oh yeah, it's going to be a must must purchase. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I think we should probably start wrapping it up because we have, in fact, been babbling for about an hour now. <laughs> um. And it doesn't feel like it's been an hour at all. <laughs> probably go on for another three or four but i have things i have to do today and we know how much you read or your listeners and readers would really love for us to go on for infinity hours but we need to eat stuff we we do yeah dinner is a thing that has to happen at some point so uh let's just go ahead and wrap it up with some final thoughts uh rossi i'm going go with joe first okay joe so artifact 
What is the single? Okay, no, no, go ahead. Talk. I was going to say, artifact weapons are a really great thing, something that I've been waiting for for a long time. A lot of them have very strong footings in the game and game lore. I'm just really hoping that in the coming weeks, months, to the release of this, to Legion, that those ones that were a little questionable about get kind of their gaps filled in and start to make a little more sense. Because I would love, I, I would hate to see what would be almost a perfect 36 for 36 getting marred because I think there's only two or three that I'm really questionable about and I'd love to see them bat a thousand on this. Yeah. Rossi. Mm-hmm. If you had a question, go ahead and ask me it. No final thoughts. Uh, I'm looking forward to the lore of the, of the war swords of Aladra, which is the uh, fury artifact mm-hmm. because it, it is basically explains where the Vrykel come from. I mean the, the Valkyr, I think it's where the Valkyr come from. Uh, it certainly seems to hint that that something happened, and that's where Valkyr come from. They're kind of the origination of the of the Valkyr, or they're spawned from it. Well, yeah, because the, the sorcerer Helia. Yeah. And that's like, what what's going on here? Like, did 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 is this why Odin lost his job? I mean, what's going on? Like, I mean, there's Helheim and Stormheim. I'm fascinated with that whole area. I want to go that. So yeah, that's that's what I'm focused on. I can't wait to dig into all of that stuff. I I I think I'm gonna have to like I'm I'm in the same boat as Joe. I feel like for the first time that I really kind of want to make sure that I have a max level of every class mm-hmm. just so I can experience all of this stuff. Which means that when we get to that you you know when we get to that nebulous period at the end of the expansion where we're waiting for the next one to come out, there's gonna be so much stuff to do. Because, you know, level all those characters, check out all that artifact lore stuff. There's there's no end to it, really. Well, I mean, there is, but it's like 36 separate quests to do. And yeah, who knows how I'm many not quests are try. on that chain, you know. I'm not going to try. I, I know the classes I'm going to going to go with. I'm probably, it's I know one I'm of those do- things that I'm probably yeah. going to reserve till the end of the expansion if I do do it. Yeah, like you, when you have time. Yeah. Because, like man, 36. There was time now. <laughs> There's so much time. To- well, technically, you only need twelve characters. You yeah, but you'll have to. Each, you'll, you'll have to do each each different artifact on those characters. Man. Yeah, but again, you know, we're waiting to hear more about that catch-up mechanism type thing and how that works. Anyway, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at Patreon.com/slash/BlizzardWatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Um, and I think we're just going to go ahead and wrap it up for today. So we will go ahead and we will see you, I guess, in two weeks, and we'll probably talk more Legion lore, huh, guys? I think that's like. Oh yeah. <laughs> we have so much to work with now, guys. Thanks, and we will see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.